is only one queen. Long live Queen Elizabeth. God save the queen. All that's happened on my watch is the place has fallen apart. The Crowncast, a new watch-along podcast series from News Talk. The Crown. The Crown. The Crown must win. Hello, I'm Kira Kelly and welcome to this episode of The Crowncast where we look at all things to do with season four of The Crown. Today's Crowncast looks at season four, episode two and to discuss the ins and outs and the comings and goings of the intriguing royal family, I am joined now by Andrea Gilligan, of course, presenter of Lunchtime Live on News Talk 12 till 2 weekdays. Uh, Andrea, you're very welcome. Thanks, Kira. How are you? I thought I should maybe start. I didn't know whether you wanted me to do a sort of a um, royal kind of a hello or something into the programme today but I, I thought, oh, I thought that would have been, been <laughs> splendid you... I, well I am sitting here of course in my headscarf because that's what right. I wear and my pearls that's what I what I wear just around my house nothing to do with the crown cap um, but we're, we're going to be talking about, about, about the episode that's referred to as the Balmoral yeah. test and how Netflix tease it up is they say this is the one where Thatcher heads to Balmoral and finds she doesn't have a massive amount uh, in common with the royal family and indeed uh, it says Charles finds himself torn between love and duty. Did you enjoy it? Are you enjoying it so far so good anyway? Really enjoying it. Um, I'm probably about four episodes into the fourth series at this stage. I actually think this is the best series yet. Now I've I've a kind of a funny view on this because up to the point of series three I thought series three was the best like one and two were good and I liked them and I obviously I stuck with it but when series three came along I just it was my favourite by a long shot and I don't really know why I think it was maybe because you know there was obviously different events or incidents that happened in it that you you would have heard of yeah, you liked the, the, the way season three was set up, that it was set up kind of each of the personal stories would set, was set up against the backdrop of, of a kind of historical event kind of a... Yeah. That, that you liked that, that technique? And I actually felt I learned a lot about the characters. Now, I mean, whether or not that's exactly like they actually are is, is another question, yeah, well. but I but I, I actually really liked the kind of the little bit of an insight, you know, in, in particular actually to... Prince Charles. Um, I don't know. Is that what he, he's really like in real life? But it's like totally for the, for the purposes of this crown cast. Yes. Yes, yes it is exactly what he's like. It um it totally changed my my kind of whole perception of him. Um, in series three, so I sort of had you know I great in a hopes good for. Way? Do you like oh, no, him more? In a, in a good way, yeah. Like like he's like a totally different person to what I expected after series three. So I really liked it. Um overall you know of the three series so then I was really looking forward to four coming along because I kind of thought great well this is all going to be stuff that you know even in my own lifetime that at least I will remember and, and will know of um my mum and my grand my grandmother actually were huge royalists and you know always would have bought the okay and hello magazines down through the years and would have been massive followers of of uh, Margaret and Princess Anne so like you know I I've I suppose I feel like you nearly kind of not that you know them but you know you kind of had yeah, a little well, bit of knowledge of them so you certainly know about them and, yeah. and I would have thought I mean People in Ireland always preface every. Well, you haven't, but an awful lot of people in Ireland preface everything about the Royal Family. Go, well, I'm not interested in them myself yet. We know that they sell a huge amount of magazines and newspapers here as well. But, but I wouldn't have thought that we were always hugely sympathetic to Charles. I would have thought perhaps we were a little bit more pro if we were going to be pro one of them die and so if there was mm. team Camilla and team Diana I would have thought particularly post Martin Bashir that 
perhaps we were we were more we were more pro die. But this is this has left me as well quite sympathetic to 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 Charles. And if we come back to the Balmoral mm-hmm. test, if we come back to episode two. It is quite clear that prior to marrying her and at, at the very fledgling stage of his relationship, he was having lots of doubts. Oh, completely. And like I, I you know. The idea that there was so much weight put on the family's um, perception and view of Princess Di. Like, I just thought in the whole episode of Series 2 or Episode 2 of Series 4, you know, it was really interesting to see that. But I couldn't get over the relationship that is portrayed between him and Camilla. And the fact that Camilla is so involved in how his relationship with Diana kicks off and... um, you know, the fact that he, he liaises with her and he makes phone calls to her to, you know, give her the rundown. Well, she kind of gave the seal of approval. She did, and yeah. she also seems to recognise, despite her relationship with Charles, that Charles is the heir to the throne and he has to marry. And he has to marry, mm. dare I say it, someone young and biddable. And therefore, Diana fits that bill and might, in fact, suit Camilla because it doesn't strike me that. Camilla is intimidated by Diana Spencer. Um, if anything, it'll it'll transpire in later episodes that that boot is on the other foot. Oh, completely. And like even even the sort of the language that Camilla uses, where there's a really interesting exchange between um, uh, Prince Charles and and Camilla on the phone, where he talks about the fact that you know over finding she she sort of suggests to him that he should find a new one. And somebody that will fit the bill, the kind of girl who'd sort of drop everything and, you know, and and, and go along to the likes of Balmoral and meet the family and and, and go through the whole, the test process. And I just thought it was really interesting to kind of see how that played out and... I th- I mean the things we saw of the relationship, but actually let's t- let's play. We we do have a couple of clips. Let let's play a clip uh, of of some of the interaction between Charles and Diana. Let let let's let's take that here. His music plays such a key role in Italian unification too. Gosh, really? Do you have a busy summer? I know I'll be in London for most of it. Embarrassingly available, if that's what you're asking. I'll be in Zimbabwe for a couple of weeks. And then Scotland. But perhaps we can meet again in the autumn. Oh dear, you'd rather not. It's just such a long way away. Oh, it'll fly by. No, it won't. It'll drag horribly. But all good things come to those who wait. (sighs) Your chaperone would never allow anything more. She'll do whatever you tell her. Granny's the most hideous snob. (laughs) Good night. That very frigid. Yes. <laughs> but perfectly gentlemanly. Princely. Sorry. Princely. We, we see we see different ins and outs between between Charles and Diana, but but I mean in effect, one of the things that stood out to me is Charles is a, a, a man. He's a youngish man. I think he must be in his late twenties, he might even be thirty. But she is a girl. She's like a, a child, and when she goes mm. to the opera with him, the granny is there as a chaperone. She's she's very sheltered it would appear to me very naive and innocent and she kind of believes she is signing up to uh, sort of something something very 
uh, romantic mm-hmm. and and perhaps that wasn't the perception on both sides. Oh, definitely not. And she has that great line where she talks about being embarrassingly available um, and the idea that when he tells her he's heading off to Scotland for the next couple of months, you know, when they can kind of meet up again in the autumn and she has this, you know, she very much, you get an insight into, oh, she did really like this guy and really loved him and wanted to meet more of him and the fact that, you know, he was going to be gone for six or eight months and she wasn't going to get to see him. And you sort of, you begin to realise, oh, wow, like she... She actually, she actually is really into him, you know. And there, there is, I suppose, that age gap is sort of portrayed in yeah. by this. Well, I guess she was hoping, to, yeah, to fall in love and get married to somebody in a in a in a, a prince, Charles, charming rather than a prince Charles kind of yeah. a way. And he presents himself, and that, and and she's still hoping for that kind of a relationship with him. And yet, yet it isn't, it isn't uh, ideal. He, we'll come back to to the Thatcher trip to Balmoral, but but he asks it looks like according to this and of course it's all fictitious but but he's 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 back at Balmoral he's he's bored he's he's you know sighing around the place he asks Camilla to come up to Balmoral to see the family the family are quite cool with people having mistresses and all that it seems to be the done thing no problem but she's busy she says I'm busy being a, a kind of a wife and a mother mm. ask ask the young lady die kind of thing and yeah. and so Diana comes to Balmoral what did you make of all of that I thought I was just fascinated by his relationship with Camilla on the phone the fact that she was the one planting the seed about all of this and you know off the back of this conversation with Camilla that's when he decides to bring Diane up and he's nearly put out when Camilla is um, I think he used the words he said something like you know I wanted you to be you know I wanted to hear how jealous you were Camilla not that you're you know yeah you know and I just was like what (laughs) you know this (laughs) this is what this is what's you know this is what has him annoyed about it but anyway off the back of this conversation as you said he arrives up to Balmoral he gets asks Diana then will she come up and there's a real sense of like it's funny it's called the Balmoral test because it's a test for so many people and there's this kind of yeah I suppose portrayal of wider events and things that are going on at play and you sort of get a sense of the relationships and even the kind of the behind the scenes stuff but like you probably do or maybe I did anyway have this kind of an idea that you'd wonder how much weight as he calls her mammy and grannies um, you know that their opinion would have and like yes like this was I think was it the granny said to Diana this is the most important um, you know trip or weekend of your life you know coming up to Balmoral to sort of herself through the the test of meeting everybody up there but it um I suppose it was probably a bit of a turning point in in the well it is the turning point in the series because <laughs> that the, was make the, or break the, fa- the family clearly put him under enormous pressure Diana is a, a, a triumph and and there's lots of comparisons drawn between between her trip to Balmoral and and the Thatcher's trip to Balmoral even down to the fact that, that Margaret Thatcher didn't remember or didn't know perhaps to bring the right shoes so mm. Margaret Thatcher brings a pair of, of kind of court shoes sensible enough court shoes that a woman might wear to the office uh, she was supposed to be bringing up old battered things she could go out into the into the bog in and she didn't know but, but Diana passes all those tests of flying colours. Philip brings oh. her out stag hunting on her own. I with thought him that to was really interesting, Kira, that yes. scene. You know, because and, re- and she impresses. Oh, completely. Like and she knows more about stag hunting than he does. And she's there well able to tell him how to the wind is blowing from the left and how to shoot when they're up stalking or whatever it is they called it, the Pearl Stag on top of the hill. And she like there was this real sense of the country girl and you know, she yep. she could fit in, she knew the language, she dressed the part, she had the hunter and the barber gear on her. She was what was needed. Um and the the sort of that comparison between her arrival as you mentioned, and Thatcher's arrival in the, the heels and the blue suit and the scarf. 
Diana well, was just yeah, and 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 Diana, she was a success, and she had the kind of the tartan, the, the tartan evening dress yeah. and all this nonsense. But she 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 slotted in. It struck me if we and and I think we should for the purposes of 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 enjoying the crown, but indeed of of the crown cast as well. We, let's just take it that it's all bang on factual and true. Um, it seemed to me that the royals were desperate for this to stick. They 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 mm. wanted they they had one weekend with Diana. She didn't turn out to be a great match with Charles as we know from from reality um but they were all oh yes she's perfect she's great and, and there there was you know literally 48 hours of, of looking at her and then they, they they literally had him married after oh completely and i think she herself said to charles after the visit that she had a heavenly visit um but like him talking about the fact that in the history of all the balmoral uh, trips or tests that nobody had ever passed the test yes. like she did and the you know the, the seal of approval that Mammy and Granny had given Princess Di after this uh, this trip but she was well able to hold her own even at the dinner table and you know at the dinner table and, and she plays obviously there's we'll come back to parlour games with Thatcher but th- she plays charades or charades perhaps as they might call it <laughs> but she plays charades with the family and she slots in with all their kind of uh, slightly lowbrow ways, even mm. though that they're very um, set in them, uh, and and it's it, it's all fun and games and, and all of that. Uh, there's so, there is definitely interesting power plays. I mean, I have come in the same way I have come to quite like Prince Charles and actually quite like Prince Philip, which I, I wasn't yeah. entirely expecting. I do not like the Queen Mother. I I find the Queen do Mother. You not? I find her manipulative. I find her shallow. I find her utterly without giving a hoot or or she doesn't give it one damn about her impact. Like I found when she put a wedge between Charles and uh, Camilla and Mm. and machinated the marriage of Camilla to Andrew Parker Bowles. That to me was I don't like this woman. Yeah, she like for me the, the Queen was sort of a bit like Charles in that she you know my whole opinion of her. If, if that is what she's actually like in real life you know she she was well able to um, yeah maybe you're right play power games with you know even herself and Thatcher and you know talk about the there's, there's de- yeah there's definite dysfunctionality in the fa- and there is in all our families you can't look at a family yeah. without finding a bit of dysfunction um, under the carpet but, but there is that e- like Charles and Philip, where, where Philip kind of brings Charles out to the to the chopped off head of the stag, and mm. you know more or less says, "Dear boy, you know, kind of get on with it." The family, you know, want this and all of that. Like they don't they don't hold back and they don't pretend that they're disinterested parties or that Charles has really much say in this. They talk about duty with a capital D. And the Queen herself is like she's a bit bitchy in it. Do you know what I mean? She's talking oh, God, about yeah. the, the fact that the uh, this Thatcher was you know are people being mystified by. Um, when they come to Balmoral and that they don't understand tradition and that they didn't really understand. Yes. Let, let, let's come on to Thatcher because the fir- the whole first half largely of um, of this episode is about Thatcher and Thatcher has has, has taken control of her cabinet. She's in number 10. Um, she's imposing, as she refers to it, the fiscal correction. It's massively unpopular. It's massively unpopular with unions. It's mass- massively unpopular with the general population. It's unpopular within her own cabinet. And and she sees a hatchet job. She goes to Balmoral to spend time with the royals because she's been invited. She doesn't particularly want to go. She doesn't see it as an honour. She sees it as a chore and that she's being... This is a waste of my time, as she says. And she goes up with Dennis. Um, let's talk first of all, before we get into the, the, the test of her at Balmoral, herself and Dennis... 
there's a bit of comedy there, isn't it? There's, there's a likability about their relationship. I, did Margaret Thatcher really iron the husband's shirts every night? That's the bit I couldn't get my head around. Like, well, she's there. who knows? <laughs> it was the 70s. Yeah, I would like, perhaps the 80s now. I love the idea that, you know, the, she's sitting up at night working, taking notes or whatever, um, in her pyjamas sitting up in bed. And he's kind of like, listen, I want to go on to sleep here. Sure, I'll sleep in the other room. And she has some great one-liner about how um, couples that sleep apart drift apart. And, you know, there's yeah. just this, she's the boss. <laughs> She she is oh god she's completely the boss and 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 I think at the time was always perceived to be the boss although that might have been the I don't know maybe the misogyny of the day but definitely when, when spitting image used to be on back when when Thatcher was in government um, Dennis Thatcher was portrayed as having this tiny tiny little head he was just this tiny puppet beside her quite big puppet and he was sort of her sidekick so it was very emasculating and I suppose back then being married to a powerful woman was quite mm. unusual. And was probably considered a masculination. Interestingly, Prince Philip is in the exact same position. Yeah. But but doesn't appear to identify in any way with this other couple. In fact, seems to take a dislike to them. No, and it's funny because the whole thing for me in Balmoral was like, there was the two massive introductions to the relationships of Thatcher and her husband. And then you've got Charles coming in with, you know, the whole Camilla die. You get to see the the balance I suppose of the or maybe the, an insight into the into the two relationships and how they evolve and that real sense of how different they are as well in terms of like the class and the status of like even yeah. how well Di fitted in versus uh, versus Margaret Thatcher but like her, you're right her, her relationship with the husband comes across as being a little bit um, there is a bit of a comedy element <laughs> to the whole thing isn't I, there? I like them and I like their relationship and she's obviously is the shopkeeper's daughter and then he would became a, 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 an alderman which I, I think is the equivalent of like a councillor or a local elected representative kind of a fella uh, her dad and, and she she's of that stock she's of sort mm. of hard working yeah. working class stock and she's off in Balmoral and what is she's so mad for her head, hairspray as well oh my god her hair is is fabulous and and Gillian Anderson I think is fabulous in oh, the yeah. role and, I love and the Gillian look Anderson. of it and, and the face on her and all of it is just wonderful to, to watch it but but what I thought was interesting Thatcher doesn't appear to be as I suspect many of us would have been um, intimidated by the royals they are quite rude to her I would have thought that you know uh, and she does refer to them as snobbish boorish and rude but but she doesn't appear to be intimidated by them she kind of looks down on them and says there's, there's, there's nothing sophisticated about them there's nothing mm-hmm. highbrow about them um, and, and they aren't uh, particularly um, cultured or, or anything like that they bring her to some Highland games and she's bored oh, out yeah. of her tree and she kind of looks down on the royals it's quite interesting yeah she's like I actually thought the Queen was a uh dog ignorant to her do you know what I mean like she's sort oh, of God, gi- she was. yeah she gives this kind of um, like uh, Margaret Thatcher has a great line in it where she's talking about the culling of her ministers at cabinet but there's a real sort of a, she's really having a go with the Queen over the, the sense of kind of privilege and entitlement that some people ah, this is back after Balmoral they yeah, come to the weekly meeting I love she that, about that she, <laughs> she got rid of people who had no grit and just privilege yeah. well she's really yeah, having she's really having a go oh yeah oh yeah and then the Queen goes well not everyone who has privilege doesn't have grit and the two of them are eyeballing each other yes but that is after she did have a hard time up there well, as I said while she was up there she saw her own 
members of her cabinet doing a hatchet job on her about the fiscal correction and that's why she hightailed it out of there. But before she hightailed it out there, let's have a listen to, to the parlour games played uh, by, by the royal families with the, with the the various members of them with the Thatchers. Uh, quite a cringing uh, <laughs> display, to be honest, as, as a viewer. One, two, three, four, eight <laughs> dibble dibbles. <laughs> Seven dibble dibbles. Seven dibble dibbles. Seven dibble dibbles. Seven dibble Margot, show Granny how it's done. Dippity toppity, down with the Nazis. <laughs> Number three, Ibble Dibble with two Dibble Ibbles calling. Number one, Ibble Dibble with no Dibble Ibbles. Oh, Number one, Ibble Dibble, with no Dibble Ibbles, calling number ten, Ibble Dibble, with six Dibble Ibbles. Well done. Did I get that right? Yeah, yes. Yes. Very good. Very good. Do I pass him down? Well done. What was she doing? Yes, she was rather hopeless. Uh, that, that to me, when I was watching it, I was going, How Can you do that, the ibble dibble, whatever you no, call it? No, I can't do ibble dibble fibble, whatever. Your, your drinking games are nowhere near as cultured as that. No, I, you know, no, duck, duck. <laughs> Whatever, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what you're no. at down there in Wicklow. <laughs> uh, I'd never even heard of Ibble Dibbly, whatever it was. But I did think that they, they, did, they made no effort whatsoever to make no. her feel welcome. They made no effort whatsoever to accommodate her. They gave her a list of things like, you know, drinks before dinner. And and down she arrives, uh, with dressed for dinner for drinks before dinner, and they kind of scoff at her. Margaret practically reefs her out of sitting in the wrong yeah. chair. Um, they, they they were pretty rude to her. They're like, I I don't know. I would have imagined that if you were going to Balmoral for the first time, you would have got some sort of a you know, um, a protocol kind of a diary as to when you should turn up and yeah, how to and, behave. And, and, and you might have, but obviously, yeah, you might have. <laughs> My favourite scene, Kira, in the whole of this episode was um, the hanging room scene. And there's actually no, like, no discussion or talking or chat in it at all. It's just that scene between uh, Philip and uh, Charles where he summons him to this hanging room that I think is really for actually... um, well, it's the the room for I suppose afterward. This yeah, where the, 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 the stag they've is caught the stag from a stag stalk. They've hung it up. They're chopping off its yeah. head to mount it. It's 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 a gory enough room. Yeah, but Philip summons him any in anyway for this kind of symbolic um, conversation. We don't actually really get to hear it, but it's just I suppose him making it very firmly clear the family's position about yeah. Diana and um, yeah. I just thought it was a kind of a really interesting scene that you don't, you know, there's nothing, yep. there's nothing to it other than you just hear he went into it and came out of it. And, but it's the conversation, I suppose, that follows with Camilla. One of the that. scenes 
I liked was also a tiny throwaway scene. And it's the scene where, where as, as I mentioned, that Thatcher had seen on the, on the telly in Balmoral, members of her cabinet having a go mm. in her. And she decides, I can't spend another minute in this hole. I hate it anyway. I'm going back to fix this. And we'll talk about how she fixes it in a moment. But anyway, she, herself and Dennis lit out of Balmoral early. And the royals are looking at them out the window, at, at them departing in the car. And they're talking about the Thatchers and they say oh they're leaving early and, 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 and they say normally we can't get rid of them we've never had one leave <laughs> early before and I thought it was fascinating it was like watching animals in the zoo talking about the people who come <laughs> to the zoo because we talk about the royal family and we observe them and we dissect them and we discuss them and they are like like as if they're sitting in yeah. a goldfish bowl for us all to look at but they within their goldfish bowl look out at us the normal the commoners and they're semi-fascinated with our it's, it's like Harry Potter with the muggles and the wizards they, 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 you know we look at the wizards and go god fascinating but the wiz- wizards look at muggles and go I can't understand they're looking at the Thatchers they can't understand no. them they don't know why Margaret Thatcher's would arrive in a, in a bright blue coat. They don't know why she wears perfume. They don't know why she doesn't know what the the dress for dinner instructions are. They don't they don't understand it. And when she leaves, they're scratching their heads. It, 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 there's this chasm between the royals and the rest of us. And I loved seeing them kind of looking at the Thatchers with kind of confusion as, as much as anything. But bringing us back, Thatcher legs it and. and She's under pressure. Her, 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 the old boys' network and the Conservative Party want her gone. She's not popular, and and they feel this woman has been a mistake. We, we'll, we'll get rid of her. But that's not how it works out, Andrea. Talk us through that. No, like, and it's funny, she's come from this, um, you know, she's come from this weekend in Balmoral and it's all about the blood sports and stalking this stag and then she comes back with that, mm. maybe that in mind, mind and she culls her own ministers um, and, you know, sort of dumps out anybody of an older age and she talked about privilege and entitlement and I don't know, maybe she'd some sort of a, um, you know, a, a bit of an awakening or something when she was in Balmoral. But you kind of get this, just you're talking about you know Thatcher versus the other prime ministers that have obviously been to Balmoral previously, and their own relationship with the uh, with the Queen and with Margaret and the whole lot of them. But there is that kind of a portrayal of how um, I suppose you get a sense of how different obviously Thatcher was to the previous PMs yes. that had gone before um, her that she'd no bother leaving early. Completely and, and very different. I I love that she she fired three of the cabinet off. They went out in their ear and they were older. They were they were all male. She all of them were male. They were privileged. But what they also were was disloyal. And there's a scene where she had been photographed with her cabinet and it was a semi-unhappy scene mm. where everybody was looking a bit grumpy and she didn't look very comfortable and they didn't look very pleased to have her there. But when she comes back in, having had a massive reshuffle, she elevated some people, demoted some yeah. people and fired the, the most disloyal. When she walks in, her cabinet know fine well that she is now, this is the emergence of the Iron Lady. And they give her a round of applause. And in the next photo, she is established as as the, the throne in, in her own government and, and the crown within that realm. And, and you see Thatcher emerging into the, the Thatcher that we all know and largely certainly in Ireland, hated. Um, and, and, and and that's an interesting thing too, that she she was, there's a bit where about enemies and she said, you could make a lot of enemies. And she said, well, you, you presume one minds having enemies. And yeah. it looks like she clearly doesn't. No, um, is that, that's probably where her Iron Lady title came from, is it? The 
that their they were all you know was, but that was their introduction in her own cabinet. Well, I think there was lots of stuff about that. Was she was she uh, she announced about herself several times. She wasn't returning. There was the Falklands no, War. There was breaking the miners. There was the poll tax. But we'll get into all of those in future episodes. One last thing before we go. You mentioned that the new kind of relationship, the establishing relationship in this one that we see the start of between Gillian Anderson mm. and uh, the Queen. The Queen, of course, wasn't used to dealing with women who had no. power. All the previous prime ministers, and she was fond of some of them and less fond of others were men the last woman with real power that we saw her engage with was Jackie Onassis Jackie O earlier on in a previous series and there was a bit of rivalry there as well so perhaps do you think the Queen didn't necessarily like having other powerful women about her No and wasn't it Philip at one of the points and was it in series 3 talked about the fact that we have um, do we really need two women heading up the country yeah, or how are we going to cope head of government and head of state <laughs> yeah. yes. and she goes well, well it's, perhaps that's exactly what we need yeah well, maybe she maybe she liked being the only woman but now, that, now that I've mm. got an insight into the Queen's behaviour in all of uh, in all of series 4 what did you make of that scene at the end Kira, with um, Charles and Anne where you know he's come from having the I suppose the push from the father to you better move on here now and get Diana over the line you know she's the one that the family wants but that kind of um the engagement he has with his sister at the end where she sort of sees the Parker Bowles soap opera and I was being behind them all. Yeah, I, I liked the, Anne's role in the Parker Bowles um, soap opera. Like she obviously had a little fling with Andrew Parker Bowles in order to make Camilla jealous, it would appear, in season three. Anne is quite a, a redoubtable kind of strong figure, quite different to Charles. And she sort of is... Charles's backbone in a way she she sort of at one stage says make sure make sure that it is us who are toying with the Parker Bowles not the Parker Bowles who are toying with us yeah. to Charles and, and so she she knows which way she wants the pecking order to flow but but not so much the way but Anne does seem to be very supportive largely of Charles but again mm-hmm. she falls in with the whole uh Charles needs to marry Charles yeah. needs a wife well, she kind of gives the sort of cast and vote really doesn't she at the end of the the end of the episode to Diana where she sort of kind of gives him that you know he's kind of like I wish I had a bit more time presumably before he you know pops the question and she's sort of like well sure you have all the time in the world <laughs> you can get to know her once you're married basically yeah. is the implication yeah. I took from it but um, yeah. it ends she, on she, on that really you know kind of I suppose famous footage of um, the paparazzi now introduced mm. doesn't it to Diana in that kind of a and, and there's a fabulous little moment in that where Diana has a smile on her face and it isn't all I'm scared, I'm shy, I'm nervous. Part of it was, yes, I'm emerging into my role as the future, as she would have thought at that time, Queen of England. Um, and and realistically, it does look like it's the birth of the Diana phenomenon. And, and I thought it was very well done, actually. I actually had to double, you know, I had to watch it twice because I was wondering, was it footage the actual from footage, the actual yeah. footage? Yeah. It's remarkable how... Um, Emma, how yeah? Karen. How much she? How well she looks? How much she looks like her? Like it's the she comparison is, is exceptional and and very very lasting. She's exceptional. She's absolutely fabulous in the role. Um, I, I think and I mean, there's so many good good people in these roles. Helena Bottom Carter, uh, Olivia Coleman, but Gillian Anderson, I think, is, is stealing quite a lot of the yeah. scenes. What do, what do you think? Oh, I, I, well, I love Gillian Anderson ever since the fall. <laughs> I'm yeah. a huge yeah, fan yeah. of Gillian Anderson. Oh yeah, I went out so. and bought a load of leather skirts after the fall and a load of satin blouses. <laughs> I'm telling oh, yeah, you. I have a couple of the satin blouses too, actually. My Gillian Anderson Anderson. You see? Shirt. You see? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, she's uh, yeah but she's enough. fabulous, isn't she? Yeah, no, she's, yeah. the two Look, of them are really good. 
cannot wait for episode three, but thank you very much thank to uh, this episode's guest, Andrea Gilligan. Andrea will be, of course, on your airways 12 till 2 every day on Lunchtime Live on News Talk. Um, next podcast will drop on Friday. It, it will be episode three of C- series four, and we will talk to you there. But for myself, Kira Kelly, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy The Crown. The Crown Cast, a new watch along podcast series from News Talk.